Well, another podcast. We're live, and I can see the sun shining on your face, Joe. It's about 3 p.m. It's sunny in the Netherlands. It's sunny in the UK. We're on a good day, aren't we? Yeah, you can tell us the summer and that racing's going to be back, can't you, when the sun's out shining like that? Oh, my God. I'm absolutely <laughs> loving life. Great podcast already coming up. We've got so many stuff to talk about. Uh, we've got an awesome guest. More about that later. But first, Joe, how was the week? It was good, mate. I've got, uh, well, I say it was good. I was struck down by illness, mate, on the weekend. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, Saturday, I didn't feel ill oh. kind of thing. I just felt a bit off off colour. Tried to do some sessions uh, and knew that it wasn't happening. And then Sunday, mm -hmm. I woke up and I felt terrible. My throat was bunged up. Like, you can probably hear it in my voice now. My nose was, I uh, felt really weak. And my like I, and I had DOMS, like I'd bloody done 70.3 Dubai or something. All I had done was that, like, <laughs> laid in bed. Um, so decided like there's no way I was going to be doing anything on Sunday, like um, take it easy. And then luckily today I feel good, but I don't know. It was so random how it ca how it came on. Like I felt good Friday and then all of a sudden Saturday and Sunday, I'm like, uh, like there's something wrong. But, you know, I guess that just happened. I thought I had COVID, by the way. I did a COVID test, but luckily uh, didn't didn't uh, come up positive. It was negative. So even some of the best athletes in the world, you would say, have their on and off days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes you're the nail and sometimes you're the hammer they say don't they <laughs> <laughs> well it looks like you're more often the hammer uh so that must be the low of the week have you got any other lows then because uh, we we started training again last week so you must have some more lows no i haven't uh, i put uh, i haven't really got any lows really i had a good run session on tuesday actually um but then i, I think i actually went too hard in it because i was paying for that you know because i felt quite good and I think when you feel quite good, you can easily go a bit too hard. And I felt, I, I think that took it out of me for a couple of days afterwards. So That's why you got you sick. It, it, it might have, you know, it might have. But I didn't feel like I was pushing that hard that it would get me sick. But like, who knows? I haven't really got any other highs or lows, to be honest. Like, um, just another average Joe <laughs> week. Just, a, just an average Joe week, just surviving. That's a pretty average week then. All right. Uh, well, I'll, I'll start off with um, with a high. Uh, so last week in our podcast, of course, we had the bullshit buster. We talked about mocktails, uh, alcohol-free cocktails. We talked about uh, alcohol-free beers. And then we talked about the situation that we went out uh, on the piss after uh, our Ironman New Zealand, where we started drinking with Braden Curry and a whole lot of, of other people. And then you said you uh, you got like a jersey that night, some, some New Zealand jersey of a rugby player, and you had no idea where it was coming from. And we were both too, uh, too hammered that we couldn't really remember. Then last week, someone sent us a DM with the background story. One of my mates told me this story a while back. He claimed to get on the piss with Joe Skipper, Braden Curry, and some bloke calling himself the mozzarella to some ladies after I meant Taupo. <laughs> anyway, to keep a long story short, he said you boys love, to poo, uh, to, uh, love putting a few sherbets away post-race. And he challenged the mozzarella and Big Skipper to skull off. He put up his New Zealand all black. What does he mean by sculling off? Does he mean like we had a drinking competition? Yeah, I think it's, a, it's Aussie something for a drinking competition. Skull <laughs> off. Like skull emptying, off. <laughs> um, emptying the bottle. I think that's it. He put up his New Zealand all blacks jersey as the prize to the winner. He annihilated the mozzarella. All right. <laughs> in, <laughs> in the scale. But the big skipper won and took the jersey. Later he found out. Joe was drinking a non-alcoholic beer and a mozzarella mocktail. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 but anyway, 
there was the biggest stitch of his life and he's and it was his favorite jersey and then he sent up a picture and i'm gonna post this one up on a tra traveling uh, mockery you can see you're you're absolutely pissed that you're wearing that jersey that new zealand jersey so i found that <laughs> quite funny so that was a high of the week um a low of the week joe and maybe i was hoping you could give me some advice on this one after swimming and triathlon it just it wears me out and I, I, I just pay it in like my skin. My skin gets rough, very rough. And I know you're the man of the moisturizers and you've got some tips and all that. But the thing is, whenever I use a moisturizer and I smoothen up my skin, my goggles will slip during the swim and my hat will come off because my skin is too smooth. What do I need to do? Yeah, but you, don't, you want to put the moisturizer on after the swim, mate, not before. But sometimes I've got a dry skin in the morning or at lunch and I need to take care of it. Like, do, do you... Am I using the wrong sensitive? You must be using care? a really, you must be using a really thick one or something, mate. Like if it's uh, like that, making it slip that much, you just need a, a light. Is it a spot? You can't. You must be using a body one or something. No, no. It's <laughs> it's just, uh, and after a swim, I have I didn't have this in Spain, but like well, a little bit in Spain, but here in the Netherlands, after a good swim or after a bad swim, <laughs> my skin is just so rough. Yeah, you just need to put someone after the swim, definitely. Like that's what you want after, just smother it, mate. But you, you maybe my uh, you would say my moisturizer is too high in fat or something. Too thick, mate. You might be putting a, you must be putting some kind of body one on or something. If it's uh, if if uh, your goggles are slipping before the swim, I've never had that problem. Get on the man cave, mate. Get on the man cave for men, for men, <laughs> for, for men like you and me. <laughs> and it's also for females if you're there's it's not really you need to be a male or female to put it on if you want if you're it doesn't matter if you're a female and you want to smell like a man use man cave <laughs> yeah. speaking of speaking of i mean um what what is funny is so um we use for example perfume don't we to smell good yeah. so you've got men perfume but men actually like men perfume and females like female perfume don't they yeah but I wouldn't, I would, I like the smell of female perfume. No, I said the other way. I like to smell the, the, the smell of you male the perfume. You like female perfume, but you wouldn't wear female perfume. But you no, think I think it's the other way around. We like male perfume, perfume. So actually the females should wear the male one. Don't you think? And then we should wear the female one because then the females were like, oh, he smells like a nice flower. Yeah. Yeah. They probably and should. We think, I've been thinking about this like a while ago. So it just popped up my mind. Um, anyway, uh, another high of the week, Joe. Last week, we uh, we uh, started our Patreon page. And with that money, we're going to uh, get more content out, get more people on the show, get more videos out, more on that later. Um, we're going to get more content out for everyone and also for the paid viewers. Um, we've already got our first extra episode out last week. We're going to get another extra episode out this week. And uh, so the first 100 people signed up. And we're both going to race Ironman South Africa, April third. Yeah, definitely. We're looking forward to it. So we're going to try and get some, some. Well, we'll do definitely do the podcast out there and hoping to get some uh, pre-race videos, won't we? That would be mm -hmm. ideal. Um, it just depends what our editing's like. If we can turn it around in time, doesn't it? That's the only uh, thing at the moment. <laughs> we're both practicing, uh, seeing if we can actually edit without it taking too long. Yeah, and uh, where the, the website, everything will be set up. So if you're looking at uh, more content and as well as uh, uh, providing us to get more content out, you're able to support the show at uh, patreons.com. And um, a lot of this extra content we put out will be free anyway. 
So it will mm-hmm. be like some bo- the odd bonus, some bonus stuff on the patrons. But to let, just to let you know that the money what we do get from the patrons is going to content that will be there for everyone. So it will be well. more free stuff and more bonus stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, more and more. It's a win-win. Uh, actually, uh, let's go over um, to the next thing, Joe. Uh, I saw on the gram that uh, Joshi Amberger was stuck in immigration for, if I remember correctly, for three days. So three days. Traveled- I thought you yeah. were stuck there for one day. Was it one? Well, let's quickly well, do some facts. That's fact three checking. days. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, that would be a really long time. Uh, but he was going to the US for the, uh, it was 24 hours, but it probably felt like three days. Think, I've been, he's been in transit um, for three days. Yeah, in transit for three days because he basically flew there from Australia, which would have took absolutely ages. And then he had to stay. Then they literally kept him for 24 hours and then they put him on a plane back. So, it was like a three-day thing where he basically just ended up going back to so, Australia. Anyway, he wanted to go to uh, he wanted to race the couples championship with his missus. More on that later, but he didn't get through uh, uh, customs. What is they they uh, took him in for? Uh, well, it was something was up with his visa, and I know I'm going to explain to you what this room looks like. We where he went to because last year after Dubai, we were going to Texas. And we're going to race Ironman 70.3 Texas. And we had to get into the U.S. as well. And while I was standing there at, how do you call it? Someone that's behind that desk. How do you call it? Like Border Patrol? Uh, like or? an immigration official. Immigration official. And he said to me, are you traveling solo? Are you? So he was asking me all these questions. Would you say, no, and, my boyfriend's coming. Yeah. <laughs> and then Michael's carrying but, the case. <laughs> no, but then I don't know if you, you're going to remember what I'm saying to you right now. You were standing behind the line. And you said something like, don't believe anything he says. He's full of shit. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and then they took me. He's got a gun in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said. That's what you said. And then they took me to one of these immigration uh, things as well backstage. I had to hand them over, hand them in my passport, my phone and everything. And I went into one of these rooms and you can see so many people. You've got bets in there. You've got like 20 people just sitting around. And everyone has got their own wild story. And the thing is, you don't know how long you're in there for and you can't contact anyone. I couldn't contact you. I couldn't contact anyone else. And in my case, I got in there because of you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is absolutely, uh, uh, it is crazy. It's so just what do you so, think, so do you think Ashley spiked him then, his uh, missus, when he was going through and said, don't believe anything he says. He's always telling me he'll do the washing and he never does. He's a constant, yeah. <laughs> He constantly then, lies at home. Yeah, then he, she actually had a one day like, oh, finally a bit of a vacation. Yeah, oh, she's Josh, like, I'll send Josh no, back to Aussie and I'll go, uh, I'll go and uh, live it up in America by myself. No, but the thing, I've been in there for, I was in there for one hour and it felt like flipping ages and you can't do anything, just sit on a chair. And I, I wasn't even allowed to talk to others, but I think if you're in there for 25 or four hours after some time, you're allowed to talk to, to, talk to some You weren't people. allowed to? What but, do you mean? They told you you weren't allowed to or you just didn't have the opportunity because no one was with you? Uh, no, there were loads of people in there. Some were laying on the beds and I was thought, thought like, damn, there must be in there for ages. So I reckon Josh was one of them. Um, but... Honestly, it is terrible. And he spent in that room for 24 hours, not able to contact anyone. That must be absolutely and crazy. And really you don't know bad. what's going on. And a really annoying thing as well is, although that's bad, he was one of the favorites for the $100,000, him and his missus. Yeah. So they, yeah. they lost out on like, well, they lost out on like potentially the start money. Who knows? Maybe they might have got that. But certainly a first or a second or third, because they were like, you know, Ashley Gentle's like brilliant, isn't she? Non-draft and sprint. Josh mm-hmm. is like, a good swimmer and that swim from the couples try apparently was long it was meant to be 400 meters but apparently it was more like 800 
So mm-hmm. it was massively skewed to a faster swimmer. So yeah. basically, he uh, they would have had a, a very good chance of winning $100,000, which is going to hurt. Yeah, so um, just uh, let that settle in. Uh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a lot of money. But anyway, yeah, he got out. He went back to Australia, and she's going to race uh, Challenge Miami to Classic Clash Miami. Upcoming weekend, more on that later. Anyway, uh, let's go over now that we're talking about the Waterfall Bank Championship. It was a couples championship. Um, you have to be a couple. And uh, we uh, um, basically, what I thought, the reason why they started this was because some COVID, some couples struggled getting money in, during COVID. So the owner of the Waterfall or something like that started well, this I listened, race. I listened to a podcast with him actually mm-hmm. the, uh, today when I was outside them. So basically he said that when he was in Boulder and he saw him, it opened his eyes out and he said loads of the like pros were like skint basically. Uh, yeah. And they were like, didn't have like that medical insurance that you need in America. They were off the normal one and all this kind of thing. And basically he thought, you know what, I'll try and help him. So basically one of the ways how he felt like he could help him is he sponsors some people, like a lot of them are based in Boulder. I guess that's where he might live or has a house or something. And then the other thing he does is um, he created this race. But it's for cu- obviously it's for couples, which is the only downside because uh, there's not a massive amount of couples. And it's mm-hmm. a good chance to get some extra money because you get $10,000 just for taking part. So you literally sign up and you turn up on the start line, 10000 mm-hmm. guaranteed. And then I think if you're third, you get another 10000 Second, you get 20000 And first, you get 100000 extra. That is a great bonus, isn't it? Yeah, like I could do with that. I could have done with that. And we've got some ideas to uh, improve this concept for the future. Because Joe and I thought, what if you could sign up and uh, you're a triathlete, a professional triathlete, but your missus is not, or your husband is not, or someone else is not. So that would make some real good content, wouldn't it? Like videos. People would love to watch that and suffer. Yeah, because it would quite be quite tactical because you could have a male pro who's obviously quicker than like you know um a female pro so you could have a male pro as the pro as the triathlete in the uh, relationship but mm-hmm. then the female pro uh would lose could lose quite a lot of time to to you know the non-fit sorry the uh, female who doesn't do it could lose a lot of time to the female pros mm-hmm. uh, but then you could have a male who or the female pro in a relationship who would be like obviously good she'd be right faster than there uh, than, than like i'm right up there with the other females but then the male who doesn't isn't a pro male triathlete, but is a decent, like quite into his fitness and stuff. He might not do too bad over a sprint distance to oh. male pro. So it'd be quite, it would be quite, it would balance it out probably quite a bit. What um, uh, I said, we saw some comments online about uh, that we're not seeing like male, male, female, female, but they tried to um, invite some. Uh, well, I'm uh, actually hedging my bets but- for next year because they said that they would. Uh, they tried to get like same sex relationships, but I'm hedging my bets because we were chatting about this and we were saying, weren't we? Like, you know, why couldn't you go in a relationship? So I'm actually uh, going to sign up to Tinder and uh, create a little dating app. And I've been thinking yeah, of a but, little bio. But you need to have a try Tinder then because normal Tinder. Yeah, but that's, ah, but that's where I'm going for it. I've even got a bit of a bio. So I'm going on there and you obviously see what people say about themselves. <laughs> so I've got a cunning plan and. I'm not. I'm looking a bit outside the box. I'm not just going for a female because everyone knows. I don't want to just go for a male, and uh, because they might ban that, it might be banned. So I'm gonna. My cunning plan is transgender partner. Always a really? loophole. It's a loophole. They can race against the females, <laughs> but, 
And everyone knows the fastest athlete, female athletes nowadays are the transgenders. They're killing it, mate. Like they're absolutely but, lighting it up. Uh, if you're uh, thinking about this, so uh, because some people said it would be unfair if a male pro and a male pro would go in that race and then race against the other couples. And that had me thinking, would it actually... Because if Vincent Louis was racing that race with his missus, so for example, if we were a couple, I would get my ass absolutely kicked by his missus in a sprint distance. Do you think you would? Well, in a swim, I think we would have. We you would get a deficit on Louis uh, of Vincent Louis. I would get a massive deficit on his on his uh, wife. But, but would you be able and, to put time into his wife on the bike that you could? Yeah, hold pro, yeah, on the bike, yes, and on the run, it will probably be. I don't know what 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 what, what would you would need to give me a buffer. You'd need to give me a buffer. I'd be like, come on, Tom. Do I it would probably <laughs> not be able to give you a buffer, and Vincent would be able to kick your ass. So. <laughs> I think you need to be a pretty, pretty decent male-male couple in the short distance to be able to kick one of their asses. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Joe, we're going over to uh, the next race of the weekend. Uh, 70.3 Dubai. 70.3 Dubai. And we have uh, an interview with actually the, uh, the, the champion from the race this year. So the, there. Male, the male champion of 70.3 Dubai is uh, Martin Van Riel. Um he himself, uh, well, he came fourth in the Olympics, 170.3 Dubai. Uh, some say it's a world record. Uh, he himself doesn't really like to talk about world record because uh, uh, he says it's all like different, uh, how do you call it, like surroundings, wind, the course, uh, the other courses like 4K score. That's like, it's just, just a fast time. You would say he's in great shape. Yes, there he is. Um, so we had him on the show. We asked him loads of travel and mockery questions later on that. Uh, later on in the pod, but right now let's talk about the um, the race. Um, have you watched it, Joe? Well, I saw it on the tracker. There was unfortunately no live coverage, was there? Actually showing it, and um, it looked like a group of three or four got out the, about four, I think, got out the swim together. Uh, Martin Van Riel, um, Daniel Beckard, Filippo Azevedo, and I, there might have been another guy. I'm not sure. Maybe yeah, Salzburg and that Pierre Corre. That uh, oh uh, yeah, yeah, Corre, yeah, but. Um, the the uh, fascinating thing was that Christian Blumenfeld missed the uh, lead group. That was the big key thing because obviously yeah. you would have expected him or hoped that he would have gone there. I mean, obviously the others. In a, I think in a smaller race like that, it can be sometimes harder to get on the feet because there's a smaller pack, so you don't get as much of a draft. But then other ways it can be easier because there's not such a fight for the feet. Do you know what I mean? So it could go mm -hmm. both ways. But I think for him, that would be a bad swim. Like not getting, he would have expected to have been in that lead group, wouldn't he? Getting out on the bike, and no matter who you are in that race, if you don't get out on the at the front, you're pretty screwed because there can be a tendency to have some uh, a lot of media vehicles on the course. So if you're not in the front, it can be a bit fucked, uh, and it's very hard to come from behind. Um, so he was a one minute ten uh, back on the bike, and uh, last week. Um... Uh, he said he was on a, on a rough day uh, on the bike. There was a group. He was with Peter Hamerick and a, uh, uh, Peter Hamerick, Andy Costas. Um, but there, uh, yeah, and he got a flat after uh, uh, 60 Ks in. Was that when it was 60 Ks? But he was going backwards up until even then, wasn't he? He was he like was. the flat, like a lot of people think the flat or the mechanical caused the race, but he wasn't on a good day up until then. Exactly. He was, he was, not, on, he was not on a good day. And um, basically, had he not flat, he wouldn't have been first or second. He might have got third at best, but like exactly. 
But uh, last week you were saying that there is a chance he would be feel a bit flat because of altitude he just came from. Yeah, I and just then... don't think he got the timings right from when he came down. Like looking at when you normally need to race, like you normally need to race after three or four days. Um, or I think personally for me, um, it's better to leave a longer period of time, like five, six weeks and train at sea level. And I think for him, it would have been even more important because he did a lot of training at altitude at a very high altitude. And you can't train at the same powers when you're at that altitude. So, yeah, although you might be getting more red blood cells, your muscles actually detrain because you're not able to push the same power and the same run at the same speed. So your muscles can't get such a high workout. That's why they say sleep high, train low. Because obviously this, the science behind it is you get the benefit of the red blood cells from sleeping high, but you can train at a higher intensity, training low. Uh, but it's very hard to do in Sierra Nevada because you have to drive down the mountain. It takes a lot of time. and It's very time-consuming to keep driving down the mountain then you've got the uh, hassle of like trying to find the right roads to train on and everything. It's just not possible to do that on a daily basis or, you know, maybe once a week. Um, mm -hmm. And he was up there for what, six, eight weeks. It was ages. Like, I swear he was up there from March. No, from, sorry, from January. Yeah. It must've been yeah. six weeks. He must have done altitude. Um, so he, I think he, he must be, just, he must be flooding with red cells, <laughs> flooding with red blood cells. But the problem <laughs> is you gain 10% more red blood cells, but then if your muscles had like detrained from going there, you can't actually optimize it because yeah, you can get more oxygen. You've got more red, uh, red blood cells that can carry the oxygen. But if you can't, uh, if your muscles aren't capable of pushing it at a higher intensity, you know, cause they're stronger, then they don't need that oxygen because they can't work as hard as what they need to. Um, mm -hmm. which is why I think it's good to go at altitude, come back down, train at sea level for say four or five weeks where you get, where your muscles get stronger and stronger because they're uh, able to go at higher intensity. You've still got the gains of all the red blood cells and then boom mm -hmm. that's when you have a good one that's what i think but maybe that's part of the lo longer plan right, well yeah right now, the little racing you don't know that and well then, it will uh, be part of the longer plan that's what i said mm -hmm. like the aim exactly. the aim yeah. is st george the aim is not yeah. just 70.3 dubai that was just probably let's just give it a go and see you know there was it's unlikely that he would have felt bad but obviously there was just a slim chance that he could have but the mm -hmm. aim is st george so if you think about it coming down to sea level now training at a lower uh, lower elevation he's got st george in like two months time which is yeah, like great. yeah so he's going to be up he's going to be flying for st george but for this race i think it was just a bit unlucky who was that you were talking to that was my bloody apple watch started like talking to me about red blood cells now actually training like it was then going to start <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get in there while well, watch yeah. it because uh, before you know in like a couple of months you've been talking to your glucose monitor <laughs> uh, <laughs> you had a little story about a battle didn't you I've got a story about a battle, guys, and these are the stories that I want, that I love, and that really. Oh, wait, uh... before before we go over that, because we've only been talking about the uh, the swim now, so uh, <laughs> let's finish the whole race because <laughs> uh, there's more stuff to talk about. Thirty point three Dubai, real quick. Um, so uh, actually, before the run, you had Martin Van Rio and Daniel Beckengard. They got off uh, off the bike. They had a six minute lead and then um they both ran like an awesome race like martin van real ran a low a high 107 1756 and daniel becker got ran a 10930 and pierre lacour 107 37 what do you think joe if you hear these times hear these times you as a long distance athlete um i think 107s is uh really going for it but i mean it's been the standard for a couple of years now isn't it like in some of the faster races when you get some of mm -hmm. that the, the you know the guy's absolutely drilling it in a 70.3 they're hitting like sub 68s but yeah 67's going for it i mean 
it looked like on from what you've seen on Strava that it was about 300 meters or so short. So if you had like say 50 to 60 seconds on, it's mm-hmm. basically a, a high 108, but that's still very good. That's like what 117 per 173, sorry, 317 kilometer pace, yeah, half, which is um really good. Um, do you one, know uh, what, well, what amazes me, uh, for example, in this race? We were speaking beforehand about Bart Arnads that he, if he doesn't have a great swim, he's lost the race. Uh, and he's won this race before in the past. He had, um, well, he's not known as one of the best swimmers, but for him, he had a really bad swim. He had a 28-21 swim. But then on the bike, he was absolutely flying, getting in almost uh, one minute slower time than the boys up front. So he managed to ride his way up front to the race and then run up one thirteen. So I still think that is pretty, pretty decent, isn't it? So that's why he's such a beast over half distance, isn't he? Yeah, and... Um especially when you get a tougher half distance where it's a bit, because the thing is on this race as well is even if there's like, say no motor vehicles or anything, you know, and it's like a legit race, you know, like that. The thing is because it's so flat and fast, it's very hard to gain two or three minutes on someone because the speeds Mm -hmm. are all so high. Like say a lot of people, you you know, will be riding at say 44, 45 or say 45, 46 Ks an hour um, to go maybe 48 Ks an hour, which is only going to, save you basically five minutes over the whole bike course so if you're two minutes behind after the swim you've got to ride two k's an hour fast just to get a two and a half three minute lead but the extra power is probably going to be 40 watts or so maybe more i don't know a lot of extra power to go from 40 45 to 48 k's now so if you don't get out near the front on the swim you get punished for that even more on this course because you just can't make the time back and then obviously if you have to ride that much harder how much is it going to take out of you for the run? You know, you're not going to, you're going to be depleted, cub, but you know, your glucose stores are going to be depleted because you worked so hard on the bike. All yeah. your legs are going to be sore and you can't run as fast. So you, you've always, you've, if you can do a good race on this course and you're not a very good swimmer, then you're going to be a force to be reckoned with on tougher courses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the female race, um, Joe is won by Laura Phillip, Tina Reef in uh, second, and Lottie Lucas in her, uh, debut as a professional because uh, she uh, she lives in Dubai we uh, we know her because she's uh, mrs of Filipe uh, Alvacedo she came in third in her first professional half distance race she let the swim out of the water um they swam uh, 26 and a half minutes and there was a, a bigger group like a one minute back and then on the bike Laura Philip uh, got off the bike with Daniela Reef Lottie uh, lost a bit of time there like eight minutes to them on the bike and then uh Laura Phillip managed to run away from uh, Daniela Reef, and she managed to put four minutes into her. So Laura Phillip is is obviously uh, on some good run form. Yeah, and I heard apparently that Laura Phillip could be rated the number one triathlete on the PTO rankings after this. Really? Yeah, because apparently she only needed 100 points. I think she had two mega scoring races and one like that wasn't too good a scoring race. But mm-hmm. the thing is, it's a bit... The, the I like the way the PTO does the rankings with his time, you know, and it's like it favors fast times but like there should be something in it where it favors certain races because laura phillip although she beat daniela reef today which is a great race she hasn't raced any decent really top opposition um in the last year or two you know she, like there's no in the ironmans that she's done 7.3s everything like that there's not been lucy charles has not been another race with daniela reef or any of the top girls and i think like in order to get some of the top scoring points what you can you know the higher points you should have to race some of the top girls and mm-hmm. blokes and blokes as well racing the top blokes. I mean, they, I guess they need to wait 
what I'm trying to say is some of the races that have a bit more prestige, if you do like certain races, they're going to give you more points to attract stronger fields because it would be a bit funny that someone could be ranked number one, but they haven't raced the world championships and they haven't raced anyone like who's not anyone else in the top eight or whatever, apart from Daniela Reef once, you know, that's to to be ranked number one, you know, it just seems. But we can talk about PTO rankings uh, another time for a, uh, that was a good, that was a good result by Edo, you know, that like that to beat Daniela Reef by three minutes is, uh, Pretty impressive. And for Lotti to come in third in the first uh, professional race. Really in, good. Uh, yeah, really good. Really, uh, and to really lead good. the swim as well. Yeah, I, uh, I would sign for a swim like that. <laughs> um, anyway, Joe, uh, let's go over now to your little sauna battle. So th- this is uh, a message I got from a follower of the podcast. And he's a Norfolk boy. He's from Norwich. So he's, he's uh, a Norfolk. He's a All Norfolk right. boy. Um, so we know... His story, probably half of it is true. <laughs> all I'll say is he's got a bit of cunning. To win some sauna battles, it's not all about, you know, being manly and staying in there and not making eye contact. Sometimes you've got to use your head to uh, oh, outsmart them. Bef- exactly. But before we got into this, we, uh, we've we got uh, 15% female listeners. Joe is going up and up every week with more female listeners. We want to have some female sauna battle inside information. Like, how, what do you know, females? What kind of mental tactics do you have? Is it different? Is it different battles? Uh, yeah. We want to have a bit more female. Or inside. a female chicken and male. Female chicken yeah. and male. Stuff female. like that. Stuff like that. So, uh, morning, Tom and Joe. I've just returned from an epic sauna battle. And it's not even 8 a.m. yet. I left Norwich at 5 a.m. this morning to get to a pool before work. See, that that's the dedication that we have in Norfolk, you see. He left before 5 a.m. Tom to get to the pool. You haven't really no. seen 5 a.m. last year, have no. you? Impressive. I'm impressed already. After my swim today, I hit the sauna, knowing I didn't have long before I had to be at work. There were only two or three others in the pool, so a sauna battle wasn't on my mind, and I sat on the top shelf. So he wasn't even expecting it. He screwed himself a bit because he'd already sat on the top shelf you get even hotter on the top shelf it's hard he was probably sweating like god knows what you know percy pig or something like a few minutes later chap comes in he sits on the bottom shelf facing me i was like i'm top shelf no water this is on game time he's he's in he's in now he starts up the conversation he talks about what's going on in ukraine to make a tenuous segue into how god is going to intervene soon and save them asked me if I have faith. I was like, no, mate, I'm a scientist. I hoped that that would kill the conversation, but no, he went on and on. So not only is this guy trying to beat him in the sauna conversation, uh, sauna battle, he's trying to prey on him mentally. He's trying to get in his head when the guy's in a vulnerable situation. So it goes on. Then it dawned on me. Us triathlon idiots aren't the only ones having sauna battles. Evangelical Christians are using the saunas to try and convert people. And they don't leave the sauna until it's job done. So now I've got a real dilemma. Do I let him convert me so he can get out and I win? But then he would win too. I couldn't have that. So we battled back and forth for a while. They're talking about suffering while they're suffering in the sauna. This is getting so grippy now, isn't it? The origins of my life, et cetera, et cetera. For like 20 minutes, my heart was starting to race. It got my heart rate was up to 140 just sitting there. Oh man, I know the pain from this guy. Like I've been there. This is going to take him weeks to recover from. And my <laughs> chest was starting to feel tight. My head's gone down between my knees. Advantage Christian guy. 
A couple of minutes after that, I knew I had to get out. I stood to go and he was like, I've got a brochure in my bag. How about scientists can be Christians too? I'll go and get it for you. Wonderful, I said. After you, triathlon <laughs> idiot one, evangelical Christian Neil. He said, after you, there you go. Go on, get it for me. So he says, I like to think that in some alternative Christian podcast somewhere, Robert, he also did give me a business card, is sharing the story of how he came up against a scientist and managed to give him a brochure. I also noted that after giving me the brochure, he returned to the pool area, presumably to do this all over again. So there's the cunning, you know, you can always get out with someone. You can come across as a gentleman or a lady by saying after you to them, they think, oh, they're so kind. And you quickly get the win in the dying moments of the game. That is like, if you watch football, that's hard tactics. Yeah, that is like, it's 1-1, you're in injury time and you're thinking, oh no, it's going to go to penalties and we're going to lose again. And then you quickly score a last minute winner in the dying moments of the game. Uh, I was thinking you could also say when you're already sitting on the top shelf to someone else, like uh, it sucks that there isn't really another higher level in this sauna because this one is actually getting a bit too. Exactly. Like, it's all about the mental games in there because you're not actually competing. You're not actually running. You're not actually doing anything. So you just, you just sit. And it's a slow grind. It's a slow burn because at first you no. get in there, it feels easy, doesn't it? And then no. it's like when you do a, when you do a run, you know, if you're doing a hard run, it gradually like starts to yeah, grind you down, grind you down. And then it's a battle of, who wants to give in first? Because you can always stay in a bit longer, can't you? But you don't know when the end is. You don't who wants it most? Who wants it the most? Who wants it most? It's great mental. Tra- I think it's brilliant mental training for an Ironman, to be honest. Like, I would say it's up there with one of your key sessions going into an Ironman. <laughs> All right, Joe, let's get over uh, to uh, our uh, our guest. He's waiting. Um, today on the show, we've got Martin Van Riel. All right, we've got him live on the show today, and it's not because he had an awesome race on the weekend, but it's because he's uh, one of the earliest junkyard dogs we've uh, we've had. We already tried to get him on the show when we were out in uh, Girona, uh, but finally uh, we managed to get him on, and he did have a great, great race uh, over the weekend, didn't he, Joe? Yeah, absolutely smashed it. Was it a new uh, world record or whatever they uh, call it, Martin? Because like, it was pretty close, wasn't it, to the other time? Did you get it? Yeah, I, I I don't think I got it, but it's it's a bit of a controversial topic because uh, Christian was 40 seconds faster on a course that's four kilometers shorter. So, right, yeah. So we'll say you've got you it can, then. You <laughs> that's like doing a half, yeah. a half. I'm going to race the half marathon and then uh, call it the marathon uh, world record. <laughs> you know? yeah, uh, anyway, anyway uh, awesome uh, performance. 70.3 uh, Dubai, 1.9k swim, 90k bike, half marathon run, and 324. Uh, what's 324, wasn't it? 326. 326. 326. Oh, oh, that's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, 24, uh, 24, there would have not been any controversy. So it's a, it's a crazy fast time. You managed to uh, to get the win and we have got so many questions, tri-related as well as uh, non-tri-related. That's why the, we're uh, the Mockery Boys uh, after all. Um, let's uh, start off. How, how are you feeling right now? You uh, managed to celebrate the win in Dubai? Yeah, we had a we had a little celebration. Uh, got some got some tickets uh, to the Burj Khalifa 150th floor um, from Red Bull, so that was really nice. But then uh, after that, we wanted to go further with the celebrations and ended up in a restaurant that didn't serve alcohol. So that was a little bit of a of a bummer, but uh, no, nah, the, the celebrations were good. 
But after last week, uh, Joe's tips about mocktails and a heavy night out, you managed to uh, black your way through it. Yeah, he's obviously yeah. on the uh, he is on the alcohol-free beer, the mocktails. <laughs> <laughs> did you? What, did yeah. any other uh, the triathletes go with you, or was it just uh, just you and some uh, other people? Yeah, it was me and the and the people I I had with me. So it was my my manager and my uh, coach were there. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't meet up with the. With any of the other triathletes, I don't I don't have many friends yet in the Ironman circuit. I'm still uh, developing. <laughs> yeah, nah, they're not too they're not too sociable, are they, Tom? The uh, the the Ironman athletes. Yeah, you... no, it's uh, it's a bit hard to uh, sometimes go get through their uh, shell. But we're but uh, the pros we're... are a bit more serious. But some of the age we... groupers are up for a, up for some banter, aren't they? The age groups are up, the age groupers are up for a laugh. But would you say the the ITU circuit it's way different than the Ironman circuit pro wise, like the athletes? Uh, well, I was joking, by the way. Uh, I like uh, the but, Ironman uh, pros as well. But uh, but the difference is, I think that. <laughs> The ITU guys are usually a little bit younger, and many of them are not as serious. So, yeah, because I, I heard after... there were some good parties. Like people told me after some of the races, they have some good parties, and I thought I never went into any of the short distance. So they never. And I was thinking, God, I picked the wrong thing here. Like I've never seen an after party at an Ironman event, really, apart from Kona. Like, it, yeah. To to be honest, like after most most of the ITU races, there's at least some some of the guys are going to have like a really wild party so you can always jump in and uh yeah so usually i was one of them that always jumped in but uh, i'm trying to to calm down a little bit so apart from the fact that i'm not really fast at short distance or long distance you would say short distance should be my thing because of the after parties or you'll have to yeah. do the age group racing tom at the short distance <laughs> <laughs> but, um, kill it <laughs> Someone, someone would just say then there's a house party at my place or how, how would that work? No. Yeah. So sometimes there have been uh, been athletes um, uh, before that, that they would go to the clubs before the race already to ask if they can have like uh, an organization of like a party there. And uh, okay. yeah, then they would. Uh, Ryan Sissons is a famous guy for this. Uh, but yeah, we need to get right into the Ironman, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he, he, he would go to clubs before the race already, and that he would is go and ask him, like, "Can you, can you do, yeah, like, can you do us a favor? Like, can we get like a zone? Like, can we get some free drinks?" And uh, I know that he got in trouble with it from Trotland, New Zealand, a couple of times. Yeah. But, uh, right, Ryan Sissons, get his number, Tom. <laughs> well, he's coming to yeah. St George. <laughs> we, maybe Joe, uh, we should do this uh, in St George, uh, as, as uh, Ryan is going to give us a few ideas and tips, and then uh, we'll try to do it in the Ironman scene. Yeah, we're missing that. Yeah, and with all these parties, I'm surprised there wasn't more of these uh, triathletes going to that couples try. You know, with uh, the prize money, hundred thousand dollars. Did you see that, Martin, for uh, for the win at that? Yeah, I saw that. So the couples championships. Do you then? Because um, the prize money is way more than the race in Dubai. You just won with like a world record time. Would you then uh, thought back? Oh shoot! I wish I had a girlfriend five months ago, so I could have like get that hundred grand and really be ripping it as well. And I heard there was booze at that after party as well. Yeah, but I've got a. Yeah. I've got a plan to get into the couples try next uh, ne next year, and uh, I sent I sent Flora Duffy a message, but they said uh, obviously rules got to be with someone for six months. Maybe, you know, I've got twelve months now, and I just try and work on it. But what what about if, uh, <laughs> what about if it's uh, if it's like 
a guy and a guy. I mean, apparently Martin, they tried to get we, some. We I could, heard a podcast Martin, we could, today. Martin, we could split it 50 50. Oh, yeah, let's, we could win it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. But I, I, I want to know what is the proof we have to deliver of our relationship before? I don't know. <laughs> What uh, well, what my limit is that I would go to yeah, for hundred yeah, yeah. grand? Well, <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, speaking of speaking of uh, um, uh, the booze and the scene in Girona, we've been there. Girona is an awesome city. Um, would you, would you normally uh, uh, like drink a beer throughout the week or? Um... No, um, me personally, not really. I, I don't really uh, drink much so, beer. It's a world class uh, athlete so... you're talking to, Tom. Here, this is world well, <laughs> no, record no, holder. Trying to get some tips. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I actually, I just don't like the flavor of beer, which is not good as a Belgian. But uh, I, if I drink, I drink more like cocktails or uh, or that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, some of my friends, uh, some of my friends here, like Aaron Royal, who who ruined me, and he won the mm -hmm. couple champs. He. Uh, he loves to get a beer uh, now and then, but um, personally, so nice no, colada for you, Martin, on the beach. I can imagine that. You know, you've just done Dubai, still uh, yeah. in the afternoon, going down the beach, pina colada, mai tai. Yeah. That's, that's the life, right? That's the life. Because um, that's the whole thing that on uh, on Instagram, every life is perfect, isn't it? And everyone shows their the perfect pros. They they don't have any downs, only ups. Uh, they don't drink alcohol. It's always the perfect life. Perfect life, and we want to show people that you don't want to don't need to live like a monk uh or or that everything always goes perfect uh in order to uh tom, tom nearly had a big it. accident as well by the way while we're on that topic of not everything going perfect you know when you went for that run on with him in girona yeah he was absolutely I... dying for the loo and he nearly didn't make it back like that was a horrific situation you were in when it Tom. That was yeah, the first yeah, yeah. thing he that was the first thing he told me when I saw him. He's like, Oh man, I nearly shit myself today. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean I had to hear that on the podcast. Like yeah. I remember that you said uh, I need it I need the toilet. And yeah. uh, I was like, you... yeah, like it's it's only one kilometer left. So I, I pointed you to the toilet and then it was it was locked. So I thought that was it. Like I thought you were like, oh, okay, I, I can still go. I didn't know you were like. <laughs> no, but in, in, Ma it's... in Malaga, he just went on the beach next to the to toilet like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go back uh, to you, Martin. You're training in uh, in Girona. What's um what's the uh, the training in? Well, we know what the training is like in Girona. But how do you normally train? Do you do you most of your training solo or with a group or how? Uh... Yeah, so so that's actually been a really big change for me now because I I was always with uh, with Joel Filiol and his group. That's actually why I came to Girona. Um, so I trained with Vincent Luis, Yala Gaines, um, Aaron Royal, and many other guys. Now I changed coaches, so I'm a little bit more on my own because my coach now it's a Belgian guy, Glenn Polonis. Uh, he has more younger athletes uh, who will come on camps here, but uh, only, yeah, they're not here permanently. So it's a balance between training more alone and training in group. But actually, I love to train alone as well. So, yeah, I, I don't mind that too much. I, and I, you I, can always jump in with whoever you want. Like, mm -hmm. I'm I, I'm not on uh, on, uh, on bad terms with uh, with the boys from my old group. So... I just send them a message if I want to train together. So yeah, I saw a good cool. video recently. It must have been just before Dubai with Sweat Elite, where you were doing a run session. Like, uh, was it two by two miles or something, and six by a mile? On there. yeah, yeah, that was that yeah. was a really good one. And then uh, 
there was uh was it was some of the other guys who were doing the short slightly shorter session triathletes and then there was like some uh, beast who you were running with on the uh mile reps like is he a triathlete that oh, yeah. guy, he was flipping flying like 430 for him on trail <laughs> he, he's he's kind of a triathlete because uh he did uh he did a cross country belgian race uh, where he raced really well and he uh he slid out so he wa- wanted to go for a swim in the mud but um yeah. no he's he's a full time runner but he's one of the one of Belgium's best now, uh, f- working full time as well. So it's it's really impressive uh, how he's running. And uh, yeah, I think he he has a lot of uh, progression still. He wants to do the Barcelona Marathon. I think he's aiming for something close to like two twelve. Uh, so yeah, he's wow. proper. So do you swim with like some of the guys then who you used to swim with? Like you all kind of like do a bit of swimming together and then like biking and running, you kind of mix it up a bit. Some with them, some with your coach, some by yourself, like 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 that. Yeah, it's actually it's mostly I do my own thing, but I will go at the same times. So I'll just swim in another lane uh, because I know that I know at which time to come and swim. <laughs> Not like yeah. you guys. You, oh, you bloody hell. That was when the, when the pool crazy. Is busy. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, like all the time. I know. Wherever we go, it happens, doesn't it? Malaga, Girona, like everywhere. I know. It's a, but it's also, uh, you guys, you always tell me uh, to swim uh, early in the morning, but our motor just doesn't work that way, does it, Joe? No, I find it really hard to swim in the morning. I find it hard to swim full <laughs> stop, to be honest. Like, <laughs> um, what, what, Now that you, um, what, what made you uh, plan a 70.3 as an ITU athlete in the uh, beginning of your season? Uh, mostly because I, I think long distance is where I will be really good at in the future. Uh, I think it really suits me more than short distance. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of want to use the next years. I, I really want to go for Paris because I have some unfinished business with the Olympic Games still. Um, is it all or nothing for a gold medal in Paris then, or uh, would you be like happy with uh, a medal? Like if someone said to you now, you can take a bronze medal. Or you could gamble it for a goal, but you might not get another medal. What what would you uh, go for now? Oh, oh, that's a really hard question. But <laughs> I, I I think I'm I'm a gambler. Well, I'm not not yeah. in a bad way, but I would I would I would gamble yeah. for the goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I um I read an article the other day where you said uh, people don't remember that I came fourth in the Olympics. That's true. I didn't realize that until the other day that you came. Really? Forth. Like, I, yeah, I remembered the top. I knew the top three, but I didn't know yeah, the, yeah. Four, the fourth place. It's such which, a dick, Joe. No, that's just true. I remember it. <laughs> it's actually also a, a very famous interview of a Belgian, uh, a Belgian archery guy in from like 20 years ago. And he said the same thing while he was crying on national television. And yeah, it's it's sad, but it's it's true. Like no one remembers. Like if you go yeah. back to that race then in the Olympics, because I remember watching it, and um, did Christian put in a bit of a dig, and then three of them like separate? Was it like Hayden, Alex, and then Christian, and then like because you were all running in quite a big group, weren't you, for a long while? Was there like seven or eight of you, something like that? Yeah, then, I think it was. Yeah, so with like three did... kilometers to go, uh, Christian like really accelerated out of a, a one eighty turn. Yeah, and I think. One of us, I'm not sure who left left a little gap, and yeah, how me hard and Johnny were you working? Couldn't bridge before that. You know, before when he like John attacked, two? yeah, <laughs> you know, before when he attacked. So like, say with like five k's to go, were you like 
hard, but you were like, I think I can win this. Like, I think I've got it. Or was it like, fuck, I'm hanging on. Like, I'm I, an LT3 I, already. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an LT3. These, I hope these guys fucking ease up. I, I thought I was still in control, but I didn't like, I mean, I mean, we we're still seven guys. So I wasn't like that comfortable that I thought that I had it already either. Uh, yeah. But I thought I still had quite a bit left. But uh, yeah, once Christian did that attack, uh, it was pretty clear very quickly. So yeah. Ah, oh, that's annoying when it's like that, isn't it? But some of yeah. some of the boys in uh, in Girona were saying already in the build up to uh, in the lead up to seventy point three that you were going for uh, like a new world record. Was it? Is it like? Did you had it in mind like that could be one of the goals or um, like how we, how did you went into the, this race? Um, yeah, it was actually kind of more of a of a joke a little bit that we were making before, but um, I knew it was going to be a very very fast course. Um, but yeah, I, I mostly went there to try and, and win the race and get experience. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I actually maybe even rather would have wanted to do a race with a little bit less uh, competition, just to because I still need to learn a lot about the distance as well and like get my material and everything. Uh, uh, yeah, solved. What, what what is it? What you need to learn about the distance? Then I mean. Uh... Yeah, the, the thing you know is a bit longer than an Olympic distance, but you've got yeah, like yeah. a shitload of experience and uh, like training a lot of hours. Like, what is it? What you think in a seventy point three? This is what I can improve. Well, pacing, nutrition strategies, uh, aerodynamics. That's also a very important one. And I think all of your these aerodynamics is, looks not... awesome. Your aerodynamics <laughs> looks awesome because I saw a picture of you, a little video you post up on your Instagram beforehand, and the position looks absolutely awesome like really dialed in like did you set that up yourself or did you see anyone with that for that no i i actually just saw like a local guy here um um his name is emmy i uh, does bike fitting in girona he actually did work with uh, with jan a couple of years back for for one or two fits as well but um yeah we just basically set that up quite quickly i would say um and yeah i don't know i was very happy with it as well because it was a big improvement from my last position so uh mm-hmm. yeah it looks really good at, at what point in the race did you um bark at daniel beckergaard like a dog because she knew you were <laughs> gonna cash in the checks well definitely not on the bike because he was he was putting the herd on me but it, it was actually really funny because i thought he was surging the whole time but he afterwards, I told him that, and he's like, "Well, I thought you were surging the whole time." So, like, when the other would go to the front, I thought I was trying to slow down a little bit. But he mm-hmm. said that it felt for him that I was accelerating. So, yeah, it was only on the run that I started uh, started barking like a junkyard dog. But, uh, <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you do it? Did you do it? Well, I kind of did, but it was more of a. <laughs> Like an asthma attack kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want to hear. Throw throw in a dog for a laugh. Yeah. So you've got some. Uh, you've got an awesome question. Have you got Joe? You've you've been having that one on your mind for a long time. I can't even remember what question it was now. Give me a clue. About a tough training day. Oh yeah, that's the one, right? Because I had all, I had some of these questions that I thought of when I was speaking to Tom. So obviously after the race, you've shown you're in great form after Dubai. But if someone gave you the option of doing a six-hour ride with the Terminator, 320 watts on the on the river, or Chris XXX takes you to work and he's like, 
I'm going to give you some tips, but you can do you can fill in for me for a day. But but Martin, it's a twelve hour shift here. So because he's got Corona, he can't. He's work got Corona. Time. He can't work. He wanted to know someone. Me and Tom said we know the guy, Martin Van Riel. He's got loads he's of stamina. Fit. He's he's in good shape. He's really fit. He could do a twelve hour shift on set with you. Would you find it? <laughs> would you rather go for a six hour training day or a twelve hour shift on on set with what Chris XXX would normally do? What would well, be the <laughs> Tom? That's, 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 <laughs> what... <laughs> That's a really, really hard question. I don't know. Yeah, it's tougher than a bronze and gold medal one. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm if I'm recovered enough uh, on on Sam Long's recovery scale to be able to perform <laughs> on a on a twelve hour uh, a twelve hour Chris XX day. Chris uh, XX said that that what that was way harder than doing an Ironman, didn't he? When you asked him, Tom, you said like twelve yeah. hours, and he was like, "Yeah, that was." He's like, "I don't even know if I could do that." So, yeah. <laughs> and if he says it, <laughs> yeah. well, I'm 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 more of a I'm more of a short course guy, yeah. So uh, I can't I can't uh, I, I do everything a lot shorter. So for me, it's uh, only short, maybe, explosive efforts. Maybe you wouldn't have to be on set for twelve hours, then you'd get it done and dusted in four in four. <laughs> <laughs> Minutes, What's right? it? What does the the next of your season look like? Do you have uh, do you want to do more uh, seventy point threes or because um, we've just had the Olympics and um, have you got a specific plan now? Well, yeah, I really want to do more seventy point threes, but I'm really struggling with uh, fitting it all in because it's a very uh, spread out year on the short distance mm -hmm. as well because our grand final is uh, at the end of November only. Um, so yeah, I, I have to see. Uh, right now, there's no plans for another half, and I'm gonna do actually uh, now to arena games, which is probably the other spectrum of our sport, like the, the very shortest possible yeah, uh, racing. I, I loved uh, watching that last year. I thought that was really good. You like because you won yeah. the one, didn't you? You won it in London, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won London and uh, Rotterdam, both of them, and now there's a world title on the play as well. So. I hope there's going to be uh, some some vibe, some hype and vibe around it. Yeah, I'd love, to watch it. I'd love to watch that in person. I think that'd be really good watching it there, you know, I, if it was a packed stadium. Are you then called World Champion Arena Games or, or what, what's the... Uh, how, how does that work? That'll probably be the same as where, like just the Zwift World Champion, won't it? The equivalent of that, you know, e-racing World Champion kind of thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how they're how they're gonna do that, but um, but yeah, it's just yeah, it's another world title which I don't really like. Maybe in triathlon that there's gonna be like uh, fifty five world titles soon, but um, it's like boxing, yeah, mate. It's, still... it's like boxing. <laughs> yeah. You've just got to take the belts wherever you can get them. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll start That's like true. you can start like charging more for the pay per view. Then like they all like uh, Tyson Furious and all that. <laughs> And how how good would it be? It doesn't matter what kind of race pops up, whether it's an Ironman or an Arena Games, a couple championships. You just pop up, and the chance that you win is like pretty big. Like that'd yeah. be handy, wouldn't it? Short distance, long distance. He doesn't care. We'll get you made a custom made junkyard dog T-shirt with a load of belts on it. What could say like Arena Games, <laughs> like <laughs> seventy point three games? You should. Um, yeah, that sounds good. You should do seventy point three worlds if it fits in. Like after that race in Dubai, hilly course out there as well. With your swimming stuff, you've got to be odds on. Like you'd probably be going that as one of the, like definitely a the favorite or one of the favorites for the win there. Like that's uh, St George. Yeah, um, but that that's probably that's one of them that really doesn't fit if I want really? to pursue the the ITU calendar because it's in between two uh, World Series in I think Bermuda and um, Chengdu. So. 
Yeah. So, what, do you want to try and do the IT the whole ITU series this year, uh, like and finish well in it, or is it like you need the points or something for uh, to qualify for the Olympics? No, I, actually, I don't need points, but it's more that I feel like I still have to develop in some ways on the short distance if I want to have the legit chance for my uh, my my try for a gold medal in uh, 2024. Like I've never won a World Series, for instance. I think that's a step that I really uh, need to make, and I I hope to do it this year. All right. Well, if you get one, you're winning early doors, enter the seventy point three worlds, and you can uh, tick yeah. all the boxes. <laughs> Definitely. How um how would you uh, because <clears throat> of forehand, you know, Christian Brumenfeld was racing as well. Um, you know each other from the short distance. I don't know how long. Uh, I mean, you've been, you've all, you've both been in it for uh, for a long, long time. Uh, are you like uh, mates? Would you be uh, invited to each other's uh, post race parties? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're pretty good friends, good. I would say. Does he uh, then give you like tips on his seventy point three, or uh, are you like going into this? Yeah, he's like, "What's your race? nutrition strategy?" And yeah. nutrition's like, just just have an energy drink and you'll be fine, Martin. You don't need any more. And you're like, everyone's telling me I need to have a load of gels. Nah, just just have just have another second bottle of water on course and you'll be fine. <laughs> no, so so actually, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's gonna sound like I sabotaged him or something, but uh, I helped I helped him. Uh, I helped him pump up his tires, but he did get a flat during the race. After like between 45 and, and 60K, he got a flat. But yeah, yeah, I was the one that pumped up his tires. So. Yeah, he's probably thinking. Sorry, <laughs> Christian. So it, it is, it's like it's a good dynamics between you two. It's not like rivalry because that's what, what I think. If you look at short distance, there's way more uh, banter and, and friends. Whereas if you look at long distance, it's way more rivalry for like the thing I, I think is. Don't you think, Joe? What people like not really wanting to help each other? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A lot of people. Idea, you okay. try and ask them stuff, and they won't give you any tips, will they, or anything like that? They try, <laughs> they try and keep all to themselves, don't they? That's and why they're all like, listening to triathlon mockery for the tips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much it'll help them, but um, yeah, they like that. Have you? There is there anyone who you've raced against, Martin? Like uh, who you really want to beat? You know, just some people that you don't really like, uh, or. You, you know you've got a bit of a rivalry with like they could pass the present they could have been retired or anything like is there anyone or is there anyone who was in the short distance who was a bit mouthy you know they'd swear at people and stuff like that yeah that's that for sure <laughs> like uh i've been i've been abused many times by alistair when i was younger because i was really? a good swimmer so i was really? always in the in the front group and he's really like yeah 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 like what did he say to you then and how many years ago was it like how old were you back then like were you like 20 or something like that uh yeah probably about like 2021 doing my first world series races and then i was like up there with him and he would yeah say words i can't say on the podcast like come and take a pool you uh, like, uh, really lots of, lots of peeps uh yeah yeah but i mean yeah i mean i'm a more encouraging kind of guy because now i'm trying to kind of yeah take up sort of a similar role so in the front group but when uh, he's shouting stuff like that at people did they were they like scared and they thought, all right, I'll do a turn, or did they think, oh, I'm not going to do one now because he's being a bit of a dick? Like, you know, I'm not going to do that. Like, <laughs> I, I would be scared and pull the train along. <laughs> you know, I yeah. when I was younger, I did a road race and I remember like we were like uh, so it's just biking and I was riding across and I got across the breakaway and there was this guy in there I still know his name Martin Smith his name was he was in the RAF and he was such a fucking angry person and uh we got across the breakaway and like me and this other guy were fucked because we just had to ride across and i know i was only about 19 um and we were sat on the back for a bit and he said do a turn or i'll push you in the fucking bush 
What? Yeah, and I thought, oh, he said that to me and this guy, and I thought, bloody hell, like, I was like, all right, because um, he, he shouted, the way he shouted it, you thought this guy means business, and I'd heard he was a bit, he'd done stuff to people before, so I started doing a turn, and the other guy couldn't do a turn because he was fucked, like, from riding across, so he still sat on the back for a bit, and he said, if you don't do a fucking turn, you're going in that bush next time to him, and I thought, I thought Fuck, surely he's not going to push him in the bush while we're riding around, we're riding, and he pushed the guy into the fucking bush. He actually pushed him off his bike. I saw him do it. And I thought, Jesus, if my legs if my legs get too tired and I can't do a turn, I'm next going into this bush with this guy. So <laughs> did it crazy. motivate you? It motivated me, yeah, because I thought, I don't want to be going into the bush. Like, I was about 19. This guy's about 40 in the RAF. He's really? pretty aggressive. Yeah, it was like 40, mate. Holy like, shit. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's, that, that's how you get the best out of each other, isn't it? I still, yeah, I mean, I still remember the guy's so, name. But, but, but um, uh, so you had a bit of um, a rivalry uh, uh, then, Martin, but would, would you, do, you, do you then still think right now, I, I would like to beat Alistair or I would like to beat someone else? Is there someone you have been beaten by that is like on your list? That's my, uh, that's my man. It doesn't have to be necessarily in a uh, bad way. Like you could have some like, yeah, friendly yeah. rivalry. No, well, I mean, we can say that uh, for me, that that's more Henry Schumann. Because uh, I don't know if you, you guys know, but in 2016, I was actually al already sixth at the Olympics. And I would say that was maybe I was closer to a medal there than I was last year. Um, but uh, yeah, Henry came third there. And he's uh, he's a pretty famous pack rat, which it's allowed in ITU, I know. But uh, oh, yeah. I, I really That's... hate if people never take pulls because, I mean, yeah. Especially if you're in the front, group, because then... <sighs> No one's going to commit, are they? Like, once you get one person sitting in, everyone's like, they don't want to commit 100% because you're like, I don't want to turn them around. Yeah, yeah. And then they, that guy run away from me because he's just going to he's yeah. going to have a really good run then, isn't he? And you're like, um, you see it in cycling all the time, don't you? As soon as one person starts sitting in, someone else is a bit like, yeah, yeah. oh, you know, I'll uh, sit in. Maybe uh, you need to get Martin Smith in the pack with you, don't you? You know, like, <laughs> oh, you'll be going well, into I, the bush next time. <laughs> I have to say that, that Martin Smith sounds like he's, uh, he's a secret brother of Alistair Brownie, to be honest. <laughs> Martin but, uh... Smith, he just terrorizes people into doing, into yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. Like, no one's a pack I, rat with him. <laughs> well, at least you get some great stories from these UFC mentalities, isn't it? Bit more, uh, bit more dynamics in the peloton. So do you think Henry Schumann's supposed to be going to uh, longer distance then? So he's going to struggle if he's a bit of a pack rat, unless he's, uh, unless he's actually strong on the bike. If he, uh, you know, if he's strong and doesn't want to take a turn. But if he uh, struggles a bit on the bike, he's, he's going to struggle a bit then, isn't he, at 70.3s? Yeah, I, I honestly, th that's why, that's actually why I, uh, I, I had, I, I wouldn't say beef with him in the past, but uh, uh, he is actually a strong cyclist in my opinion he is very small and skinny so maybe that's going to be a bit of a problem in long distance but um like yeah he is actually a strong cyclist he was probably just the smartest in rio because he was the only one of the 10 guys in front who didn't take a pull yeah and yeah he took a medal so like <laughs> yeah i don't know i yeah. think he, he could yeah. be very good in long distance to be honest all the seventy point, all the all the short distance guys, they just run fast as flip, don't they? I mean, you ran a one hundred seven fifty four. Uh, I wouldn't even be able to do that on my freshest day without running a, in a, in a, without swimming a bike. Uh, the other guy ran a one hundred seven. Was it the Frenchman? Yeah, it's just crazy, isn't it, Joe? If I, uh, I mean, I remember when I started off with triathlon in twenty seventeen. The first race I did was seventy point three Barcelona, and. The fastest one that day ran maybe a 111. And that, that course is a bit short as well. 
and all the others were running about tw- two, uh, 115, 118, something like that. So if you look at it nowadays, if you want to be in the top three, you need to be running close to 110. It's yeah, crazy. One t- 110 is like just standard now, isn't it? For like in a 70.3, like there's always someone that's running around that or quicker. Whereas yeah. before, like six years ago, that was a really, really good run, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Time's changing. Um, so uh, what's next now on the schedule? The first upcoming race, Martin? Arena Games. So uh, Arena games, in that exactly is. one month, uh, there is the first one in uh, Munich it's this time. And London, I'm unfortunately not doing it. Um, because I'm going to be in the Sierra Nevada on Altitude Camp. Um, but yeah, Munich. Is um, Did you change your training uh, for the 70.3? Would you do like different sort of sessions, longer reps, shorter rest, or or what, uh, did you change anything? Or is it just same training, just a bit longer on the bike? I, I would actually say that uh, for, for an ITU athlete, uh, having it around this period of, of your preparation, it's almost perfect. Like we've, I've been doing all these trainings in previous years as well. The only difference is I've do, I've done them now on a time trial bike. So that's the only really change in my training. But, um, yeah, only now for like the last one and a half uh, months of prep for the real short distance season is where, where the sessions will be a bit more specific and maybe faster. But, um, yeah, I think it, at this time of the year, you, I'm always perfectly prepared for uh, 70.3, and, and that training is super similar. Was there a What's hard... It? Oh, sorry. Uh, do you want to go? I was just going to say, what was the hardest training session you did in the lead-up to it? Like, was there one where you nailed it and you were like, wow, like, I'm on, I'm on fire here? Like, the listeners love stuff like this. They love they love <laughs> the watts, don't they? Yeah. I, I, I did run paces. I did... Um, well, they can watch the Sweat Elite video. Like that's that was probably uh, one of the the toughest run sessions. Well, it's not super tough, but one of the best run sessions, I would say. Uh, so that was like ten miles of of running broken up in into like two times two and six times one. Um, we could do yeah, the session to, on Saturday, Joe. Yeah, up to like three or five per kilometer, and then I had a a bike ride which was four times 25 minutes um and i did i think uh 300 and between 330 and 340 watts uh for yeah four times 25 minutes with five minutes recovery and you're quite small like you don't weigh that much do you mm-hmm. like you must be what 60 something kilos or something yeah well 67 68 yeah it's really 68. light Zwift weight of 62 <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> So what what was the what was that run session you did? Is that also your favorite run session or uh no because that's a that's a new one like I've never done uh, a session like that before. Um, and they took so they was... took your lactate didn't they after like every two reps or something on the video. Yeah, right. yeah. So two times 2 miles uh, and six times 1 mile and the 2 miles were about 310 pace per kilometer and the uh, 1 miles were about 305 to 303 pace per kilometer that's uh really really good what what do you do you uh train uh, do you uh do they lactate testing often um no well i only had one really lactate test now because before with joel we never uh did it um but now we also use it a bit as a tool for intensity control together with many other um uh factors like power on the run, power on the bike, uh, heart rate. Um, 
but yeah, like this session, the run session, I had to stay under threshold, which it's for me, it's 3.2 lactate. We're getting a bit theoretical here. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so if I would go over that, we try to adjust it a little bit. So I, don't, I, yeah. Don't you think that that nowadays, if you look on the gram, so many people, it's like for every fart, they're taking a lactate strip and see what their lactate is, like literally for everything. I, I, I said to Tom, I'm going to uh, bullshit bust this because like there's so many people that I see doing it and they haven't got a clue what they're doing. They're just taking the lactate without actually knowing any idea what what the numbers are to them, you know, because... I mean, I remember when I did it in sports science, we all had to do like tests and see because it was always slightly different for each individual person. I see people just using random numbers and doing some right dodgy stuff. And uh, <laughs> it, like, it seems like they've seen Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav do it on a few YouTube videos. And now everyone's buying one. Like, I, I wish I had shares in a lactate company, like selling company. I'd be making a mint. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, um, it's also uh, like they're doing it like five times a day. Five times a day. Ah, well, yeah. And they do like... Well, not really, really but... You know they do I mean. crazy like a lot a lot of testing yeah. but it's all come over in the last six months it seems like i've never yeah. seen any of it before and now every 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 guy's doing it last um last question martin i i've already i've already seen you doing this for a long time but for for an itu athlete i, I don't know if you all your itu athletes do that but you normally bank like really really big runs in the weekend something like 30k runs with a lot of intensity and I was, uh, I, I remember seeing that for the first time, maybe a year ago or something. I was like, fucking hell, that's like a shitload for a, a short distance kind of athlete. But is it something you, uh, a lot of you athletes uh, do? Because them runs are pretty big and hard. Yeah, it, it's actually kind of uh, funny because most of, of the ITU athletes seem to have like very, very similar trainings, whichever of the, of the big groups you're, you're kind of with. They all mm -hmm. do the same, like the leads, the lead squats. They all do a very similar approach to uh, whatever uh, Joel does. Uh, and like Joel's, is, it's actually not far away from what the Norwegians do and all that. So like, yeah, a lot of us do really big uh, weekend runs. Um, but I don't really know what the reason is for that. Yeah. So what do you run? I like? don't have an explanation. Do you do like a two hour run then every weekend, even uh, when you're training for like no. the uh, short distance? Not not every weekend, but in the build-up, so in this period. And I think that's why uh, in this period I'm perfectly prepared for 70.3. We would go up to like 145 to two hours very often with a lot of intensity inside yeah. that uh, that run as well. He did yeah. massive runs, mate. You should look at his Strava. Like uh, on Southern Pace, I was like, fucking I've hell, seen some uh, of them in the mountains. Run. Like some of them run like trails <laughs> in the hills, aren't they? Like really hilly uh, runs. Like just outside of Girona, yeah. Where you, where you oh, yeah, that. but that's I, I love that here. Like the mountains are behind Girona; they're really, really beautiful for trail runs. What What is it? What you want to see? Uh, what you want to see a change in the triathlon scene, or uh, um, do, do you sometimes think it's a bit too serious? Because what we um, that's why we wanted to get you on the show a long time ago. Because we think you are like taking the sport very serious, but yourself not too serious, and. Um, I mean, the sport is uh, is sometimes a bit too serious. And how do you think we should change it, like as triathlon as a whole? Yeah, yeah, like for sure. I'm I'm a big fan of the podcast because you guys like you just yeah you make fun, you make jokes. You, you're not too uh, yeah. You just say what you think sometimes, and I I love that. But uh, yeah, that's actually the, the problem why I couldn't come on the podcast uh, when um, when you were in Girona. 
I, I was wearing a Super Sapiens, so I, I felt... Uh, oh, yeah, God. Like, oh, like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And, and actually, we really uh, busted that bullshit because it didn't work for me. The needle was uh, was bent and like my values were, were through the roof the whole day. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely worth... Uh, you killed worth, it. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I think I think there have to, has to be a bit more joke and also maybe a, a little bit more uh, beef between the athletes. One like, thing I want to set the scene with you, Martin, is to a little in your next ITU race. If you get off the bike, you run the long, gets the seven Ks in. There's you, there's Vincent Louis, Christian Blumenfeld's mixing it up because God, he's he's thinking it will be good speed work for an Ironman. Good, there's Gustav <laughs> in there. All the hitters are in the group. I want to hear one of them say. Fucking hell, Martin's barking at me like a dog. Like, and you go barking at him like a dog. You carry on, or, drop him, and then win. And that's what we want to hear. We want it. That, or, that, that's a statement, doesn't it, Tom? If you can bark at him like a dog. And if you want to pull something out of your sleeve a bit more forehand, midway through the bike, Hinnick like a horse at Henry Scuban, when you pull that 750 watts, yeah. you pull away. You can only neigh like a horse if you're doing 750 watts because one horsepower. <laughs> But um, if you've really got the minerals, you'd bark, wouldn't you, before, as you're starting off, like as the horn goes for the swim. But that take that's a that's a big confidence boost because you could if you don't if it doesn't plan out well and you bark it like a dog, they're just going to be like, oh my god, like that guy barked like a dog and he didn't even back it up, you know. So like that's a that's a big statement, isn't it? If you do it before, that's a big the dog that's is a, a big statement. A, yeah, like or you did it on the bike to that guy, didn't you, in New Zealand? He wanted yeah. to fight. He wanted to fight him afterwards. One of our friends had to, me- had to mediate it. He want- he he, and he really doesn't like you since because he he's actually sent me messages, um, complaining about it. And uh, yeah, he's he's not happy. He listens to the podcast still. He's still every time he hears the dogs, shivers all over his spine. Um, anyway, uh, Martin, big big thanks uh, for getting on the podcast, and everyone, uh, uh, make sure if you want to support Martin, give him a little follow on the on the gram if you didn't do that already. Um, and yeah, curious uh, to see how the uh, arena games uh, are going. Uh, we'll hope you uh, can cash in some of the belts there. Yeah, good luck oh, with well. the rest of the season, Martin. And thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Joe, let's go over to uh, the bullshit busher. You came something. You saw something on Instagram, on YouTube, on uh, uh, OnlyFans, and that one really, uh, <laughs> that one really grinded your gears, didn't it? Yeah, basically, I keep seeing on. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, everywhere, people doing lactate testing. It's literally like they've never done it before. And like, you know, over the last eight months, I must have seen nearly everyone doing lactate testing. And they do like they're they're doing the actual test. They're doing they're using it for some sessions. But I see some of the protocols that they're using so dodgy, like for getting results that you kind of think like, what's the point in them actually doing taking the odd sample lactate because they're not even like they're not they don't seem like they're doing the right testing to get the results uh dodgy ways of taking lactate as well so they're probably going to get like some dodgy uh numbers and also probably just not even knowing what they're doing with the data i mean you hear some of them talking about it and they're just plucking numbers out of thin air like they've googled stuff seen what numbers it says but it's not the same for everyone you know they vet that they, they vary uh a bit depending on what your physiology is like and uh obviously you need to do a proper test to see and uh it just, it just, it just grinds my gears, Tom. It just grinds my gears to how everyone's so, like going on about it. Um, all right. So we've got the uh, the lactate hype. How should you do it? 
when should you do it? Should you do it very often or should you just once to set, set like base or should you, if you do it, should you do it like every week or, uh, and why do you think the majority is doing it wrong? Well, I think like you want to do like a proper step test when you do it. And so you gradually increase the effort, you know, say like, I'm just going to say on the bike, say you start off at 200 watts and you want to do 220, 240, 260, 280, keep doing a 20 minute, 20 watt, say jumps, you could do three minutes or four minutes at each step. And then you plot it on a graph, you take the lactate after each one, and you see where the turn points are, the various different turn points, the LT1, the LT2, and then you can see where your thresholds are. But when does when, LT3 come in on that? That's just sector? when you've got a cyclist trying to drop you. <laughs> <laughs> LT3, LT3. <laughs> LT3 is like a last minute call for help. It's like you're going into war and you've got your comrades there, and you just say LT3, and that is basically. One of us might, we, the rest of us might pass out on this climb, but one of us has to beat this cyclist. That's an LT3 moment, you know. You're up the hill, your ball's out, and it's literally like, just do it for the lads. One of us for the team, please beat this guy. That's an LT3. It's like a, a cry for help, SOS, basically. Um, in what cases would a measuring lactate be healthy? Uh, well, I think, like, if you're doing, like, threshold sets, it's, that's obviously the main thing, isn't it, and tempo stuff, because ideally if you're doing the threshold sets you don't really want to be going above like what your threshold is because um or not too much over anyway because you're just uh working too hard that you're just going to compromise you're not going to necessarily gain any more out the session but you're just going to knack yourself out a lot more so then mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to train as hard uh or consistently in the grand scheme of things because you've gone too hard in a session you know it's basically like doing a threshold session but you might be going like closer to vo2 max you know for some of the efforts uh, which could so take then you need to um, so if you've done for example if I did lactate testing in Girona and I want to make sure that I'm doing for example a 10 by 1200 um, I need to and I want to know that I'm hitting the thresholds right I need to be measuring threshold throughout the session again and again not and necessarily uh, throughout you might do like say one after the third rep one after the sixth rep yeah, yeah but you need to do it during the session it's not like you did it once during training and then in the upcoming months you can do it uh, well, you could do once during the session because if you've experienced on it and that's the thing, if you know where your turn point is and you said you just did one, you could do one after like the fifth rep. It's just a guide, basically. It's just a guide. Actually, what grinds your gears is that people aren't doing the lactate testing right, but it's yeah. not necessarily lactate testing. It's more like the protocols that grind your gears. Yeah, that's what grinds my gears. Yeah, yeah, that's what grinds my gears. All right. What about lactate testing for amateurs? Someone that's doing a 17-hour Ironman or his first Ironman, do you think he should be on the track lactate testing? Totally pointless. I absolutely ridiculous. Like that would be worse. <laughs> that would be worse than going on a night out and drinking mocktails, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that is like the most, that would be like the most ridiculous thing, wouldn't it? It'd be like, you know, I don't know. Well, you say it's the most ridiculous thing, Joe, but I had some of, uh, uh, I, I've had two intakes with uh, um, people that wanted to start and doing their first triathlon, like the first triathlon ever. And they see these uh, videos of, for example, Christian Blumenfeld or Lionel Sanders. And then they're asking me like, when, uh, when do you think I, we should do lactate testing? And I'm like, mate, um, we first need you to be able to like run 30 minutes without you needing to stop for a walk. <laughs> they can't, they're not fit it's... enough to complete the lactate test. <laughs> 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 like when no, you're fit just, enough. This, that's the whole thing. People see all these things on Instagram and on YouTube, and it just gets into a hype, really, just with these glucose monitors or stuff like that. It's just copying what others do and think it's right. But uh, so basically, in the end, 
Stop posting all this stuff up, guys, on YouTube because it's making people like Tom, who are coaches, that hard work <laughs> because they're getting all these age groupers. Getting... No, absolutely not. I think uh, it uh, it sets the priority uh, priorities of age groupers on wrong levels because basically half of the posts what they see on Instagram is about lactate testing and glucose monitors and error testing because that's the most in stuff most interesting stuff to post about. Whereas in real life. Only one out of 20 days you might be doing that, for example, whereas all the other 20 days is just consistent training, grit training, uh, nutrition. That It's more like the basics, getting the basics right, and these are the extra percenters. And the age groupers uh, or, or even uh, a lot of people should just focus on getting that right instead of be messing around with, with all these you should have told the guy who's like the 17 hour guy, you should have said, you just know, you don't need to worry about that. Just go hard, mate. Just get stuck in, you know, just get stuck. Get, just do a max effort and get, get a mocktail after it. Enjoy, yeah. enjoy the journey. Like, just enjoy get, the journey. Just get yeah. him to go out four times a week, you know, four <laughs> sessions a week. Just like go balls deep and just start going LT free. That will soon get him with him in shape, wouldn't it? I'm a hundred percent sure you get more benefits from spending because these lactate strips are pretty expensive spend their money on extra beers in the weekend and really just enjoying whatever or, or mocktails, whatever you're into, then spending it on lactate strips. They're like, two, they're like two pounds each. And a couple of times I've like screwed a thing up when I've done it, you know, screwed one or two of them up and it's like four quid. I've just chucked on the floor. I'm like, bloody hell, I'm throwing money away here. It's exactly. It's a couple of coffees, isn't it? That is. So Joe, um, would you rather then do a session where you have two lactate strips that you managed to mess up and you think you've got the lactate levels, but it's all wrong because you uh, used the wrong protocol. Or you think you were using the right protocol with just doing something. Got too much or, sweat on it. Uh, too much sweat, uh, not getting the blood out, that kind of stuff. Or you just did a session and afterwards you got a nice cold beer. Uh, if it was a hot day in the summer and it was a, say it was a decent session, like a proper, like, you know, good session. And it was a really hot day. I'd pick that. I, I'd probably, yeah. Uh, like have a have a beer as a recovery or something but if it was uh if it was in the winter i'd yeah, I, yeah i'd probably just go for the drink because it in the <laughs> even, like it doesn't necessarily be straight after it does it no after. no it can be a mocktail as well i know in your case it will probably be a mocktail pina colada, <laughs> pina, i'll be like i'll be like martin and having a pina colada on the beach <laughs> oh that that's was what I, that was what i was drinking after the Collins cup pina coladas there's nothing wrong with a good cocktail like he knows his, he knows a good drink martin when he hears one I know. Last weekend I had a, um, I've never had this one before. Maybe some people know it. Um, so I had a cocktail that was um, Bacardi Res. That's like the, I think, strawberry one or something. Bacardi Res or it's raspberry um, with a little bit of blue curacao and then seven up. Really? Mate, that's a beast. That's Is an it? absolute beast. We're going to drink that one after I'm in South Africa. I'm in South Africa. If... And like Martin Van Real said in his, uh, during the interview, uh, what's this party guy called again that's hosting all the parties? Ryan Sissons, was it? Was that his name? We should be going to some bar in South Africa and get a post-race party going. Yeah, I'll, we'll do that. If anyone's out in South Africa racing, let us know. And uh, if you fancy uh, an after party, we can try and sort out somewhere there. You know, a bit of a bit of a social, bit have a bit good laugh after the race. Send us a message. We'll sort it. All right. Well, we're going to do it ITU style. ITU style. <laughs> All right. For this week, we don't really have an Instagram post of the week. Uh, maybe we'll have an Instagram post of the week next week. We're going to see. Um, don't forget to uh, rate the podcast. We'd be uh, loving that. And go over to our patrons for the uh, extra episodes if you like to listen to that one. 
Anyway, Junkyard Dogs, thanks for listening. And we'll see you back either on Thursday for the extra episode or we'll see you back next week. Yeah, see you next time. See ya.